This week, we won't be bringing you an episode of Grunt Work, but rather, an episode of the Tim Taylor Testosterone Hour. And stay tuned afterwards for the Truman Caps Estrogen Experience. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of Grunt Work. I'm joined by my co-host, Truman. Hi, I'm Truman. I'm the co-host. And I'm Landon. Uh, This week, we watched an episode called For Whom the Belch Tolls. And that is a promising title for an episode that I found to be quite promising. (laughs) And that followed through on its promise. Uh, Very, very... It's it's hard, man. It's hard. We're all in a funny place after watching this episode. It Seriously, this episode gave me the feels in a very weird way. Okay, I'm glad that I wasn't the only one. I, there was a moment about halfway through this episode where I'm like, I don't think Truman and I either have written a note in the last five minutes. It, <laughs> it was... I Look, look. I just... I'm... The, I, the reason that, that I wanted to do this podcast was because I I wanted to prove to myself that there was some goodness in this show. It has this reputation for being just the ultimate dumb 90s sitcom, yeah. but I wanted to show that there was real, or wanted to confirm, I guess, that there was real pathos there, and that there was real, I think pathos is the right yeah, word, yeah. uh, that, that there was just really some, some brilliance at the heart of this show, and this episode really was it. It was not the funniest episode, but no. there, but the performances were really good, mm-hmm. and it touched on kind of a, a serious topic in a way that wasn't a very special episode hokey. It didn't try to be right. sentimental. It just kind of addressed uh, a kind of difficult and uncomfortable part of getting older and growing up. In in a really mature and deft way that took me entirely by surprise and was very ahead of its time. Yeah, it, it is kind of a... Well, let, give, let's give us a synopsis first before we yeah, start digging yeah, into yeah. this, because I have a lot of uh, notes I, I, I do. I do, too. We're talking about our feelings so much, it feels like the Truman Caps Estrogen Hour has started already. <laughs> it's right uh, before Cooking with Irma. So, uh, in this episode, uh, Tim's old college pal Stu Cutler is in Michigan unexpectedly out of the blue and he calls Tim up on family movie and chili night wanting to get together and hang out uh, Tim is really excited to see Stu Jill not so much because Stu is a rowdy and raucous uh, kind of grown frat boy who who engages in uh, uh, activities like, like the last time he was around he shook up a beer and sprayed it all over the living room shouting foam fight he belches he makes uh, fart noises with his armpit etc etc so uh Jill Jill makes Tim promise not to bring Stu home for dinner but uh when Stu and Tim meet up Stu kind of guilt trips Tim into bringing him home for dinner and Tim just can't say no because of all the old good times that they used to have and the strength of their longtime friendship and so he brings Stu back to the house. Stu is uh, boorish and rowdy and immature and nasty and upsets Jill. And uh, Tim sees this. And over the course of the episode, Tim, when with a little help from from Wilson and Jill, Tim comes to realize that uh, his and Stu's friendship is a friendship that is really best left in the past. And despite all the good times that they had together, they are different people and don't have as much in common anymore. And... By the end of the episode, uh, Stu, uh, Stu, after coming back from a beer run, wants to either go out to a club with a couple of their other old college pals or have those pals get a keg and come over for family night. And Tim 
kind of stands up to Stu and just tells him gently, hey, man, I think it'd be better if you just went off with them and I'll see you some other time. And they share this kind of unspoken moment. I'm, and, and yeah, and Tim goes back to his family. And I haven't really made any jokes because I, I hold... I'm sorry. This is just this episode just kind of hit me in the <laughs> yeah. feels in a in a gigantic way. Yeah, and it's it, it is a joke uh, light episode. I mean, a lot of the moments that would usually be tagged with at least some sort of uh, joke, even you know a flimsy attempt at one, uh, just are played more dramatic. The the transition you know moments to going from scene to scene that would usually have a button, yeah, uh, a joke button at the end of it are played kind of silent. Yeah, I think that the bulk of the humor in this episode comes from fart noises and <laughs> and belching and and Stu's performance, who was played yeah. by Christopher McDonald. Christopher McDonald, where have I seen him before? Because he looked real. Oh my familiar. god, Shooter McGavin, uh, Requiem for a Dream. This dude's been literally in every movie since uh, probably this. Okay, <laughs> uh, Quiz Show, Thelma and Louise. Oh uh, wait, yeah, okay. You okay. know he's always. This is actually kind of a. Uh, uh, a sidestep of the characters he usually plays. I mean, he, he's always playing like kind of these kind of antagonistic characters, but usually yeah. he's like straight up uh, misogynistic or cocky or just, you know, a more two dimensional villain. Anyhow, this dude's been around forever uh, and a big part of my adolescence because uh, he was just in so many movies. Um, around the time that I was going to movies, uh, I, I was I was kind of caught off guard, like you were saying, how few jokes there were, yeah, and how that really worked to the episode's benefit of of just kind of I, Tim is much more realistic in this episode. There's some episodes where Tim yeah. is a cartoon for the sake of jokes, like la last episode with the bowling, or a couple episodes before that when he can't teach Jill anything without yelling at her, right. But in in this in this episode, you see this real conflict, kind of between Tim's desire to be this uh, kind of. It's like Stu represents all of the worst things about Tim that Tim wrestles with, kind of Tim's base immaturity and his right. kind of childishness. But you see here Tim wrestling with that, and you see kind of how far Tim has come in a way to yeah. be this responsible guy. I, I think that another show would have taken a thing like this where, oh, my old college buddy, my rowdy college buddy is in town on family night, mm -hmm. and it would have been, the bulk of the episode would have been uh, the Tim character partying with him and having a blast and loving it, and then in the last, like, five minutes seeing how sad his wife is and going like, right. no, I can't do this. But in this episode, Tim is really kind of, he, he doesn't want to do stuff with Stu. He doesn't, he realize kind of the whole episode, he doesn't want to be, he's well aware that he can't keep up with Stu's pace. Right. And and he and you see it. It kind of pains him that he really wants to be doing right by Jill, but he also wants to do right by Stu, yeah. and he can't reconcile these two parts of his life. And you see that in a really good performance by Tim Allen. Yeah, I, I by everybody in this yeah. episode. Um, it, it is it's such a, a weird existential problem that I can't I cannot point to another episode of television or movies that tackle this very specific thing of outgrowing old friends. Yeah. Because there's like, I feel like if this was the movie version, uh, the movie version of this would be the stuffy husband who's been too caught up and domesticated and needs to re 
refined his inner man through his old college friend. Yeah. And the course of the, the film would be getting in touch with your primitive man, which is kind of what the show is in yeah, a weird yeah, way. It's but, grunting and yeah. Um, that's only half of what the show is. Cause the other half is, um, embracing your inner primitive man, but recontextualizing it for family life and adulthood and like being a modern man, yeah. which is, owning up to your responsibilities and maturing and uh yeah i just give this a lot of writing kudos because it's just i've never seen it handled this particular way before and this episode was written uh uh credit where credit is due by sheila m anthony yeah so whoever you are wherever (laughs) you are you you caught a couple of grown men way off Seriously. way off guard, and I'm not going to say made us cry necessarily, but made us think. Hit me in the feels for sure. I mean, I probably would have cried had you not been here. I, yeah, I mean, we're both <laughs> we both we both are, as you can tell, quite quite manly and in touch with our primitive sides. <laughs> also, just for us and where we're at in our lives, I think both of us are dealing with. We just have some people in our lives who who. You know, we were close with once and who we're not as close with now and are are struggling with that. I think that's the thing that you get to when you're in your late 20s, your 30s. And 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 seeing that in this episode, I, I, I don't know, so many of the episodes before this have been centered around just kind of like, oh, how to be a good husband. or And, and it seems kind of obvious, the lesson that it's teaching, like, oh, yeah, yeah. you should be patient with your wife or, <laughs> you know, you should... Uh, you know, you should be attentive to your wife's needs, yeah. or you should, you know, you should not air your dirty laundry of your marriage on basic cable. All these right, simple things, right. but this this actually kind of wades into something where there's no real right or wrong answer, right? And it's something that's really this. Tim didn't just this wasn't just a case of Tim creating a problem because he's being stupid. Yeah, this is just life. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that's. That's what's so striking about the writing of this is that it's not like a typical sitcom premise, uh, episode premise, where it's, you know, this is the the goofy thing. Like in the last episode where it's like this is the uh, battle of the sexes, the competition episode. Yeah. Uh, let's see how what kind of shenanigans we can get out of Tim and Jill in this. It's This is just a thing that exists that everyone kind of deals with at a certain point in their life. Uh, and they handle it, and yeah, in such a strange way. Though I do want to open up uh, for discourse a little bit. Um, I at a certain point, this is mostly just for Devil's Advocate, but yeah. I did write: um, Is this single shaming? Now, I mean, they're they're obviously Stu is a character that's you know played to the extremity yeah, for sure, sure. Uh, for a point, but sure. you know, I do think that there's something along the lines of. Uh, domesticated family life is the only mm-hmm. path, you know, yeah. that is righteous, if you will. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's hard, it's an impossible uh, argument to make with yeah. a character like Stu being so far on the fringe of yeah society, but. I think I don't, you know, I and I see that, and I feel that that uh, TV does does that a lot, and a lot of shows are guilty of kind of presenting it as, oh, if you're not married with kids, uh, you know, the, the only acceptable lifestyle is to have a family and settle down at mm-hmm. a set age and dedicate yourself to domestic tasks after a certain point, and I don't think that this, I wouldn't call this single shaming purely because. If this was Al coming over for dinner, Al right. who is also... I mean, Al is a single guy who who conducts himself in a very refined and more mature than than Tim, for that matter, <laughs> right. uh, way. So I 
I don't see it as that. I see this as I see this as immaturity shaming. I see this yeah. as rowdiness shaming. I mean, y- 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 so from we should probably talk in depth some about the episode and not just just how we're <laughs> well, no, feeling. This is good. Yeah, if well, yeah, if there's listen, if there's any one episode of Home Improvement, if a genie comes and says, "Listen, I will let you watch one episode of Home Improvement for free," I would recommend this be the one out of the fourteen that we've the, watched that we've so seen. Far. Yeah, yeah. Other other option would probably be the one where he drops the the beam on Jill's car because that's just like a classic. <laughs> Well, yeah. So yeah. Let's so let's let's go through the episodes. So yeah, we we start again in the garage. I feel like we either start at tool time or the garage. Those are like the two. Yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> two inception points. Yeah, there's really no place else. I mean, for the, <laughs> all the action starts here or there. Yeah, and uh, Tim and Brad are weightlifting. Yeah, uh, it, which uh, Tim's uh, uh, hot rod frame is gone from the garage. The, the exact weird. question I was going to ask: Where'd your hot rod frame go? Oh, now you're into working out, Tim. What the hell, man? <laughs> And now, well, I, I'm assuming he just pulled it out of the garage, which means it's in his driveway. But then this brings up the question of um, what I posed a couple episodes ago, where it's like the layout of the house, the garage and the driveway facing the back of the house when the front door is elsewhere. So it's like, I don't, whatever, it's neither here nor there. But yeah, um, I guess he doesn't have to worry about um, the neighborhood association getting pissed that he has a rusty frame just... <laughs> Littering his front lawn. <laughs> They're probably based on based on all of the shenanigans he gets up to in that house. I'm sure the neighborhood association, <laughs> if it's just a rusty hot rod frame sitting outside yeah. without rockets attached to it, <laughs> you know, this is this is the man who the opening credits lead us to believe attached a bunch of propellers to his house to levitate it up into the air. So the neighborhood association can't complain about just a car <laughs> chassis. Well, you know what I did notice uh, going back to the theme song here uh, is that. We see him in the theme song bust through the wall with a 22-pound sledgehammer. Oh, yeah. So it makes me wonder, are, is everything else in the theme song going to come to fruition at some point in the series? Are, are, are Brad, Randy, and Mark going to run in circles and slowly turn into one another? <laughs> is Randy going to swing back and forth on a, on a, on a rope? Maybe. Is Jill going to be pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, this brings us to, because uh, I did mention a couple episodes ago that... Um, there's this hidden oh, secret. Yeah. Do you have any uh, additional idea as to what it could be? Uh, does it involve Brad turning on a TV to a black and white image of Tim laughing wearing a blazer? <laughs> well, I can't answer a yes or no question. I need you to formulate uh, this idea into a narrative of what might occur. It is a it is a desperate race for Brad to get a hold of the remote control so we can turn on a small 12-inch black-and-white TV to show an image of his father on Tool Time uh, laughing because Randy might have cancer. <laughs> Mind you, he, no, he's not wow. laughing because he might have cancer. He's yeah. laughing, and the reason that, that Brad is doing this is because sure, yeah. he might have cancer. Well, the way, the way that you... Pose that makes me think that Tim may have passed away, and he's putting on a television. Uh, yeah, maybe Tim does die at the end. Yeah, that, that's that's what it is. It's a memorial service for Tim, <laughs> who in a in a shocker actually dies in season three. Oh, and wow. the rest of the yeah, I think that's that's what it is. Going a little too eight simple rules for me here. I too soon, <laughs> too soon. Listen, I have so many hearts for John Ritter. Yeah, it's not a not pour, a disparaging comment. Pouring one out, doing a toolman salute to his soul. Yeah, but don't pour it out because this is my carpet. Okay, okay, fine. <laughs> and it'll evaporate in this hot ass room. Yes, that's true. Um, but so they're talking about family night again, which two episodes in a row, which is a little weird. Yeah, yeah. Take it easy on the family, yeah. guys. Come on. But they're talking about um, going to rent a video 
for the night to watch over. And they throw out some fantastic fake movie titles here. Bayonet something? Bayonet Hell. Bayonet Hell. Which I think is my favorite. Uh, Bury Me Again. <laughs> and Fang Woman. Fang Woman. <laughs> Who eats her... Love? Her young, I think. Her young, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. She eats some. Yeah. Uh, Jill's like, no, no, let's get some of music. We need something for uh, a family. Oh. And then JTT's like, what about Fang Woman? She eats her. Uh, she eats her young. Yeah. Or something to that extent. I wonder what like Bayonet Hell. I, I love that. That's what they went with. Like yeah. that. Is it a war movie? Is it a slasher movie? Is it a slasher movie about like a World War One veteran <laughs> with no more ammo in his gun? He's just got a bayonet and he runs around doing trench charges at people. <laughs> I would love, that's uh, kind of like the movie The Prowler. Uh, there's an old guy dresses up in World War One. Uh, it's like a slasher film mm-hmm. set in the 80s, but the guy is uh, dressed as a an old SS soldier, I think. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, or it could be like Dead Snow, where you have the Nazi zombies coming back from life. Yeah. Or coming back to hell, from <laughs> hell, uh, I guess. There, could, there, should be, there should be a horror movie set in hell where it's about the Dead Snow guys coming back from life. Like, they've been <laughs> on the other side! Oh, shit! <laughs> They're from Earth! I don't know. Yeah, why not? Turn the tables. Equal opportunity. I mean, we're, so, we're demonizing the demons <laughs> all the time. We need to humanize the demons by sticking some humans on them. Yes! What? Um, well, and also, yeah. to, to say nothing of the movie titles, uh, just the simple fact that, that Jill says to Tim, be sure to pick up some videos on your way home from work, that got that also got me in the feels, because <laughs> I love video stores, I yeah. love video store culture, I'm more in the passing of every video store, uh, and and I just miss those days, when, when entertainment was something that Dad would bring home on his way home from work, and yeah. not something that was always there, even though this is undoubtedly more convenient and better. I just miss there being a place to go to. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I from the crib, I was born with a VHS in my hand. I mean, like, <laughs> uh, that's some of my, my most vivid early memories is going to the, the video store to pick up, you know, Back to the Future or, you know, whatever else. I remember so vividly being terrified of um, they had a full life-size uh freddy krueger nice. cutout nice. for dream child i think that was the fifth one yeah um and I, like i wouldn't even go in the store because freddy was in the back of the store <laughs> uh i i have vivid memories of be- just being terrified and scarred by various uh horror movie cases oh, yeah. that i had to walk by to get to the james bond movies I and mean, there's hellraiser there was jack there was a Jack Frost movie that was like about an evil Jack yeah, yeah. Frost, not the one where the dad not Michael dies. Keaton. Yeah, yeah, not that. That was a Michael Keaton movie. Yeah. Oh, Michael. I'm sure equally creepy in its yeah. own right. <laughs> well, yeah, that CGI uh, snowman was pretty pretty weird. Yeah, uh, but more more than anything, what I remember is I had rented some action movie on VHS, and the trailer before the movie was for Cliffhanger, oh. and there's this trailer for Cliffhanger that I still watch probably three times a week to this day, that you could, like, just Google Cliffhanger trailer and buckle up. It's this beautiful trailer, no dialogue, all set to classical music, shots of people running and fighting uh-huh. and jumping on the side of this mountain, and it just ends with the title Cliffhanger just flying out of the effing screen <laughs> in your face. And so what I honestly did, I think I just paused the movie, I walked the whole mile back to American Family video in Salem, Oregon, which has now been replaced by an off-track betting parlor. And I went in and I rented Cliffhanger and I brought Cliffhanger back and I watched that instead and was so disappointed because the movie Cliffhanger is not nearly as good as the trailer Cliffhanger. (laughs) Sometimes that happens. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad. This episode, though. This episode that we spent so much time talking about. Well, yeah, so... uh... 
<laughs> their their discussion about videos is interrupted by a phone call who happens to be Stu Cutler. Yeah. Uh, and, and Tim answers, hey, puke face, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the, after this conversation, Jill's trying to communicate with him while he's on the phone uh, to not invite him over because Jill is kind of like over his mm-hmm. uh, his antics. Um, but Tim can't. Tim Tim actually uh, finagles it in a way that he's like, yeah, yeah, let's hang out. But why don't you come up to the studio of Tool Time? We'll hang out there and um, yeah, like, we'll do that. The plan that he works out with Jill is we'll have beers after after work, and yeah. then I'll leave him and I'll come home for family night, mm-hmm. which seems agreeable. Yeah, agreed. And on any other show, and what I'm expecting is, oh, he's going to get together with Stu. They're going to be having so much fun, he's not going to want to come home, and that's going to be kind of the thing. And then he's going to get in trouble with Jill. But that wasn't the case. Yeah, no, it didn't play out like that at all. Uh, in fact, that's, you know, getting back into the, the existential stuff, which is, you know, good. Um, but well, Yeah, I, I I think that, and that was definitely an option. I could have seen it going that way. If this was Cartoon Tim, yeah. it would have been, I, I was expecting, oh, okay, they're going to go to some bar set, and they're going to be having a great time <laughs> yeah. talking about the old days, and Tim's going to yeah. be having more and more fun, and Jill's going to be getting more and more angry, but... right. It's like Tim is never fully tempted by Stu. Nothing about Stu's mm. lifestyle is attractive to to Tim. Right. Like when they're when they're on set at Tool Time, Stu makes a pass at uh, at Lisa. Yeah. Who who is by the way a in this episode b wearing yeah. pink overalls. Right. I made that note too, which uh, is weird. I'm I'm not I'm not really into overalls as a look just to begin <laughs> with, and then pink overalls is even even harder for me. Why but. Why I go there, guys? Just like. Let her wear regular overall. Just, uh, maybe it was her choice. Maybe yeah. she likes the color pink. You know, if she wanted to wear it, then that's fine. Yeah. Let her do what she does. I just think there's other things. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, at no point, none of what Stu is doing is making Tim nostalgic for his old life. He, right. He, he like, even when even when Stu is talking about the good old days, Tim isn't for a second seduced by that. He's just right. like, yeah, but I love my wife and kids. Well, I don't know that I agree entirely. Yeah. Um. I mean, he he's seduced... And you know the the allure of the camaraderie is still there. Mm-hmm. He he enjoys the you know um, the ribbing back and forth, uh, and he defends Stu to Jill numerous times over. He's just like, oh, he just likes to have a good time. Yeah, but uh, and I think that that would have continued, but it was more the the lifestyle that he is no longer. You know, and uh, you know the beer, the can crushing. I don't even think that would have been a deal breaker for Tim had Jill not pointed it out to him but it's the you know the constant pulling him away from the family life mm-hmm. uh the thing that he wants to be doing that uh was the deal breaker yeah i i just i think that it's his sense of i think he's defending Stu to jill just because I think he sees a lot of himself in mm-hmm. Stu to some degree. I think Stu was probably there at a formative years yeah. for Tim and helped make Tim who he is and it's when they're hanging out again with the rest of the family right there. Tim finally realizes that, uh, that, you know, Jill and his kids have made him who he is now. And that's the sort of person who he likes more that yeah. he, he likes the person that he is now based on their influence right. more than the person he was with, with students. Yeah, exactly. And that's the th- sort of thing that you started to talk about at the beginning of the episode of, uh, you know, that they directly address here, which is that, he thinks Tim is, Stu thinks that Tim is someone that he no longer is. Yeah. And he can't see Tim for the man he's become. He only sees, because when he's talking to Wilson, he's saying like, 
it seems like we're reminiscing and Wilson's like, well, reminiscing's a, you know, good for the soul. And then he goes, yeah, but now it just seems like we're reminiscing about the times we were reminiscing, you know, there's no more substance there. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, I, I think that conversation with Wilson was one of his best Wilson conversations he's had. It's not a conversation with a lot of jokes in it. There's not a lot right. of stuff for the Wilson is is God argument, except for the fact that he quotes the Bible. So I guess that's that's <laughs> one, one one piece. But the that he's talking to Wilson and he says at the end he's kind of explained all of this stuff about he, how he and Stu don't have anything in common anymore, and he finishes by saying Stu's been my best friend for 15 years, and Wilson says, or do you mean Stu was your best friend 15 years ago? Oh, God, that killed me. That was, and that really, (laughs) it's, it's just, and I, I I don't want to belabor this point, but I think a lot of the wisdom that normally comes up on this show is kind of more relevant to being married and having kids and, and how to, how to make your, your domesticated home life work, which isn't really relevant in our lives. Right. But this this is something that is pertinent to us, and then the show actually gives some good advice. Mm-hmm. I, I, even if it doesn't actually provide a way forward from it, it just right. kind of acknowledges that this happens, and and that there's that things are, are perpetually changing, and that you have to change with the times, and yeah. embrace who you are as a changing person, and let go of the people who don't allow you to do that. It's like okay, imagine. Let, let me explain the reason that this has had such an effect on us. I think imagine if you will. That you are, um, I don't know, you've just found out that, like, one of your, one of your relatives, one of your parents is very ill. And then at the same time, that night is, like, your buddy's bachelor party and you have to go to a strip club, but you've just (laughs) learned this heavy information. And so you're there and you're, you're kind of, this is on your mind. And then I guess your friends buy you a lap dance or something and you're in some private room with the stripper and you wind up just mentioning something like, oh yeah, I just found out my mom is sick. And then she like sits down and is like, well, that's really hard. Well, let's talk. And she gives you like really good advice. Like, well, you know, the Buddhists believe this and this, and you know, it's very difficult, but death is as much a part of life as anything else. And also they've got all these new, and she, you just get this really good heartfelt advice and kind of this sense of commiseration in the last place you would have expected it. Right. I would never have expected home improvement to speak so eloquently okay. about an issue like this. Maybe comparing it. it to a strip club. No, I, I, you lost me with the analogy a little bit, but you brought it back and now I get that, uh, the stripper and the analogy is home improvement and you are the, the bachelor party attendee getting the lap dance. Okay. Okay. Let me try that. You found out that one of your parents <laughs> is sick and you have to go to Chuck E. Cheese for a child's birthday party. <laughs> And you're there, and you're talking to Chuck E. Cheese, like the guy in the big suit or something. He's there clowning for the kids, and he comes over to you, and he's like, why aren't you laughing? It's like, oh, well, I got some bad news. He's like, oh, really? What's going on? Oh, man, it's so sad about your mom. Hey, look, you know, my mom had that. Look, here's the number of a cancer clinic, but also here's some things that went on and really helped me through this. Here's this book that I read, and, and some good advice from a guy in this big goofy suit, but inside this goofy suit, there's actually some good information. Got it. Do you want a, do you want a third analogy? <laughs> <laughs> if you got one. Let's say you're in space. No. <laughs> That's where all ideas go to die. Yeah. <laughs> we shoot them into the sun. <laughs> no, I hear you, man. That's, it is, it's true. It's, uh, you know, I said briefly in a previous episode that I can see why television shows become surrogate parents for a lot of people, even adults, you know, because they don't have these hands to guide them through these tricky issues in life. And it's easier to... Um, digest and process this stuff when you can uh, put it into you know smaller morsels like this, like an episode of a sitcom. Yeah. Um. So 
And I agree completely. Yeah. Uh, so just, so anyway, to the episode, <laughs> uh, we go to the set of Home Improvement after Tim gets off the phone with Stu. Yeah. Uh, Tim and Al give their demonstration of how to do a, uh, how to apply storm windows. Right, storm windows. There's a brilliant moment where they have installed the window and Tim is on one side, and then Al is on the other side of the window, and he knocks on the window and waves through it. And as Tim is talking <laughs> without missing a beat, he pulls down the shutter to obscure Al. Yeah. And, uh, yes, they, they, at the end, they're, they're finishing the show, and Tim, in another moment of really brilliant foreshadowing, Tim says, and you gotta make sure your, your windows are ready, cause there's a storm coming. <laughs> and then he and Al walk off stage, and Stu is waiting there, and, Tim and Stu kind of roughhouse, and Tim yeah. introduces Stu to Al. Oh, my God. I loved this moment between Stu and Al. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I, I just want to say, Al's hair in this particular... I, I don't want to belabor people's fashion or whatever, but at the beginning of this Tool Time episode, his hair is so feathery. <laughs> uh, which I think... It later made sense to me because Tim blows a hairdryer in his face at a yeah. certain point. I'm like, oh, this must have been like take three where he did it a couple times and it just made, gave it a little more volume. But it's like, it's real out there. Um, but this, <laughs> this interaction between Al and Stu is something brilliant. And I want to believe that it's not Al's social ineptitude, but that he knows how to handle someone like Stu. I agree. Because it's, I had, I had, okay. If I can compare this to a personal story of mine, Go. I was at a, a restaurant once, and I was getting up to leave with a couple of friends. As we were walking out the door, we walked by this table, and I had uh, I put my sunglasses on because we were walking out the door. Hmm. And this dude, this like Wall Street dude, for whatever reason, uh, stops me as I'm walking by his table that he's there with his you know bombshell blonde, and he goes, "Dude, you got your uh, sunglasses on inside." And he phrased it in a way that it confused me. Like, I thought he was complimenting my sunglasses. And I, like, stopped and I turned to him. I'm like, what? He goes, you got your sunglasses on inside. And I still couldn't, like, that's not what he said. But what he said confused me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, thanks. They're new. He's like, no, you got them on inside. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) And then walked off. And I couldn't help but crack up thinking what the rest of that interaction between the two of them were because he couldn't be like oh i got him good (laughs) it's just like oh yeah i tried to be a dick and it didn't work and now we're alone here at the table (laughs) now now i've shown uh, i've shown a that i am an asshole and b that i'm an ineffective asshole yeah exactly and that's exactly what it is with al yeah I think that that I don't know if it's supposed to be played or if it was written to be that Al just isn't on that wavelength and doesn't understand Stu's bit. But the way that I read it, and I think that the way Richard Karn was playing it, is just that he knows who Stu is and has so little regard for him and so yeah. little opinion of him that he doesn't even. You know, Stu, Stu is boy saying like he, they, he starts with a joke about his beard, saying, yeah. "Oh, nice beard. Let me. Oh, did you have chili for lunch?" And yeah. Al's just like, "No, I didn't." <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's so perfectly played. And it goes on like that until finally Al is walking away, opening a can of something that I'm pretty sure is another Miller High you, Life. Yeah, I, now, I would have refuted that had I not pulled the still frame from that first episode to see him actually drinking a Miller High Life. But we don't get f- firm... We can't substantiate it. We never actually see the can. It could just as well be an, uh, a can of caffeine-free Diet Cola. 
Uh, yeah, it's a gold can. That's all we know. Yeah, yeah. That no, that that is possible. That is possible. But I don't think so. I think it's beer. I think that that Al, for how much he, for how disciplined and rigorous he is, he also loves him a can of crappy beer after. So he he works hard and he plays hard. Yes, he works hard and he plays mild. <laughs> he works hard and he plays medium. Well, I don't know. I've never. Well, not that. You know, I work from home, so I can't yeah. say that I've opened a beer on the job, but uh, it seems kind of brazen to, like, I'm going home for the day, crack open a Miller <laughs> as oh, you're walking to your car. A road soda, yeah. Unless he's got either <laughs> A, a personal driver, B, a carpool, maybe with Lisa, they leave at the same time. That's true. C, maybe he rides the bus, dog. I don't yeah. have a car. Maybe Al doesn't have a car. It's Plus, cool. those Russian blood... Yeah, they, have, they can. Also, it's like, seriously, it's like one beer on his way home, where there's more beer. Yeah. I, look, and also, here's the real one: if you had to work with Tim Taylor every day and endure the slings and arrows of not just Tim's abuse, but also his dumb college friends' abuse, I would need to drink a beer on my way home <laughs> to deal. Uh, let's just assume, for the safety of our listeners and the show and Al's reputation, that he takes the bus home. Yes. L- listen, and uh, don't drink and drive. Even yeah. if it's just one beer. Even if you're Russian. Yeah. Uh, even if you live in Montana where I think it's legal now to, like, have a beer and drive. <laughs> don't do it. Just yeah, don't just, do just it. don't. Just don't. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, and but then as he's yeah as he's walking away, Stu says, great sense of humor, Al. Yeah. And Al just goes, thank you. <laughs> I fucking... Every single line that Al delivers in that exchange is just so perfect to me. Al is... Ahead, this whole episode is ahead of its time yeah. to begin with. But Al, especially just in this scene, is like... do He he is ahead of his time. Yeah. Even. He doesn't feel... The sort of comedy he's doing doesn't feel like hokey 90s sitcom comedy. It feels like yeah. a whole other thing. Well, even... Because he, he comes back at the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, once Tim has kind of uh, made amends and learned uh, his whole... Uh, you know, arc of the story. Um, Al, <laughs> Al has some more fantastic lines where he thinks he's going to get the best of, t- or he's not going to let Tim get the best of him where um, I can't even remember what the line was, but it was some sort of big dick joke. Yeah. I, uh, uh, what, something like have, having uh, equipment, having your equipment ready or, Oh no. Well, it's, they're hanging a door and they want to make sure the door is well hung. Well hung. Yeah, that's right. And Al goes, no need to worry about that here. And Tim, Tim, unfortunately, in this moment, like, is playing it serious. Yeah. Because he's, you know, it's been a serious episode, and he's learned his lesson and wants to actually do some legitimate yeah. work. And some Al's just, legitimate lesson. Yeah, exactly. Al just doesn't know. Not It's not even a case of him not being able to read the room, but he just doesn't have the context for Tim's behavior in that. And also, someone needs to be making jokes. And if Tim's mm-hmm. not going to be making jokes, then it falls to Al. Yeah, exactly. So, they're backstage... After after the taping, yep. uh, Tim and Stu roughhouse a little bit. Stu makes a pass at Lisa, and Lisa stone cold ignores him, does not even <laughs> acknowledge his existence, and walks out the door with her purse. Yeah. And also in this moment when he's when Tim and Stu are talking, you already get a sense that Tim is just more mature than Stu. Like yeah. after Al leaves, Stu is trying to talk crap about him, and Tim, for the first time ever, stands up for Al. And says, uh, God, he's a serious guy, but he knows his way around a shop. Right. First ever time Tim acknowledges that actually Al is very good at his job. Yeah, right. And then, and then when he starts, uh, so when he spots Lisa and starts saying, oh, she's even hotter than on the show. You know, you gotta set me up. And Tim says, no, no, because she's, she works with me and she's a friend and she's a colleague. And it's, you know, A, him standing up for 
people is good. And B, yeah. I want to know more about Tim's friendship with Lisa. I want to see what that's just <laughs> I just like. want to know more about Lisa, period. Everyone makes such a big deal like, oh, Pamela Anderson was on Home Improvement. Yeah. The, do not believe the lies. Pamela Anderson is barely on Home Improvement. <laughs> I mean, she she departs at the end of season two. So I have to imagine that she becomes a much bigger part during season two because we're halfway through this season and yeah. she's been in like four episodes. Yeah. Maybe has had five lines uh, and one of those lines didn't pertain to here's tool time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe I, I mean, my memory of her has just been completely eclipsed by the woman who replaces her. But yeah, um, we'll we'll get to Heidi and dear in due time. So. Tim says, oh, I was thinking we could go get a beer at whatever place the spot around the corner. And Stu is oddly insistent on going to Tim's house and having yeah. dinner with Tim's family. He really wants to see Jill. Jill the pill, he calls her. <laughs> Which, <laughs> that was that was enough for me to know, oh, I get why Jill doesn't get it, like him. Yeah. I mean, up to that point, she's just complaining about the, the name calling and the beer crushing and the armpit farts. But... Anyone that has a nickname that thinks it's fun to just continually call someone like Jill the Pill uh, and assume that they think it's also fun says a lot about a person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and But but Tim really kind of withers under this social pressure from Stu. Stu kind of blitzes yeah. him with this, and Tim, Tim just kind of acquiesces and says, yeah, okay, let's go, and... They're they're walking out together, and Stu says something like, "Man, I can't wait to see the look on Jill's face when I come home." And Tim yeah. just goes, "Yeah, neither can I." <laughs> and then we get just like a really bland trans scene transition, which is just the scene like a drywall falling forward, a blandition. Well, <laughs> I I don't there is there is a, a transition coming up mm -hmm. though that that kind of. There's a lot of transitions that have made me doubt my grasp on reality, but this this upcoming. So they, they they saved the budget for this next transition. Yeah, for this next transition is what All I'm right. saying. Which I we're gonna forget about it if I don't say it. Yeah, now. say it. Go for it. Crushing beer cans against your head is a big plot point in this episode, <laughs> yes. and so there comes a point later when Stu has been doing this, where the scene transition, the image on screen rolls up into a tube and then is crushed flat from either side and then is tossed <laughs> yeah. away into the darkness of the void. That's like that when you were talking about um finally integrating tool time as a storytelling device on this show. I feel like with that transition, we finally uh have hit the the not the pinnacle but the the like the final stride of what the imagination can achieve with these transitions yeah and they hit they got there fast yeah. given that they invented this type of transition for the show and they got there in 13 episodes can 14 episodes you remember back to uh wild kingdom which was only the fifth episode and it's just the snake the little yeah the kind of coily yeah uh I, the snake out snake yeah the in. snake iris we'll call it yeah uh Snake Iris. <laughs> that's my that's my trucker name is Snake Iris. Oh, I like that. Yeah, thank you. Inevitably, Tim brings him back home. Yes. And, you know, he is introduced to the boys first. He's like, oh, let me see these kids. And uh, he's you know, starts a rough house with Brad and Randy. And uh, there, there, There's a brilliant scene where they are in the garage. He's leading uh, Brad and Randy and Mark in a parade around the bench press with their hands up their shirts and he's singing uh, do wa diddy diddy dum diddy do and then they're farting the tune yeah doing arm farts with the yeah which you, you don't see that a lot that's just a funny thing that you don't oh 
Wow, you're way better at that than I am. Well, you're not doing your armpit though. You're just doing I, my hands. Yeah, well, neither of us are doing our armpits. There's so much sweat in this room right now. The <laughs> armpit farts would completely blow out the mics, <laughs> shatter fair. the windows. Yes. I also don't want to touch my armpit. Uh, neither do I. I don't want you to touch your armpit either because I'm going to shake your hand at some point. <laughs> um, anyhow. There's rowdiness at the house. Yeah. <laughs> and Jill is trying to be nice and, mm-hmm. she, you know, when Tim first comes in and, and admits to her that, okay, I'm actually, I actually brought Stu home. I'm sorry. He really wanted to see you. And Tim promises just one beer. And as soon as Stu comes in yelling and caterwauling, uh, Jill has two beers ready and says, here's your beer. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And he does this weird little um, exchange where he has flowers for Jill and he like hands them to her, but takes a beer and hands it to Tim and then hands her the flowers and then takes the beer and then hugs her. It was a weird like, uh, it wasn't weird. It was just a, a fun little choreographed moment. Yeah. I can um, see him practicing that in his hotel yeah. room before he, before he came over. <laughs> uh, I do want to mention though that, uh, Right when he first meets the the kids, or not meets, but sees the kids again, um, Randy uh, or no Mark Mark is the one that says Dad's been teaching us how to uh, lift weights. Uh, do you want to see him? <laughs> and, um, you know, Stu starts giving Tim a little bit of crap, and Randy punches Tim in the stomach <laughs> to show how strong he's gotten. Uh, it was one of those moments that I think goes in the the Randy tab of. There's something a little more sinister to Randy than just general hijinks. That boy ain't right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I was when I saw him punch his father square in the gut. I was like, "Hey, where were those fists of fury one episode ago when right. you were getting bullied at the arcade?" Yeah. Also, just to to quickly talk about the the weightlifting, I realize so at the top of this episode of the podcast, we made mention of the uh, Tim Taylor testosterone hour. For the record, when Tim is first weightlifting with the boys, he announces to Jill that this is the Tim Taylor testosterone hour. <laughs> yeah. I just. That sounds a little bit incongruent with the rest of the episode, unless you have that <laughs> bit of knowledge. So that's why we said it. Yes. Uh, or unless they watch the episode for themselves. Yes. Which, which we encourage you to do. You really should. If you've got some friends in your life from the day who don't quite jibe with the ones you have now, please seek out this episode or buy the $189 <laughs> box set and uh, pull out the, like, fourth disc. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's a cheap price for changing your life. Yes. And also, and also, literally hours of laughs. <laughs> um, but anyhow, once the the uh, talk of these weights come up, Tim, you know, Stu immediately like poses uh, a challenge to Tim to like, okay, I got 120 pounds on the on the bar. Uh, let's see you lift it. And Tim, for whatever reason, decides to do this in his sweater. Yeah, which I'm like. Maybe it's just because it's so hot in here. But I'm like, don't, I don't. It's gonna be. You're gonna start don't, sweating. Don't. Ex- you're gonna smash right through that thing. <laughs> um, and he does it, and he kind of hurts himself. But uh, and he, well, he comes up when he comes up from doing the 150 pound lift. He has this brilliant look on his face. If you remember, <laughs> I didn't see Christmas with the Cranks, but I did see the the uh, trailer for it, where uh, Tim Allen's character has gotten Botox and is just sitting there at this kind of like. <laughs> pained grin on his face and he looks kind of like that yeah very similar yeah um one other thing that i think is kind of worth mentioning in this scene is uh they're talking about they're reminiscing about uh donna gilmore mm-hmm. an old flame of theirs uh or an old like uh lustful you know uh conquest yeah and uh they Tim brings up the canooter valve again, <laughs> as if this is a thing that he a meta message, if you will, that uh, a, a fake term in a car 
just to sound more uh, impressive than you actually are. What I what I was wondering during that scene is again is Tim carosexual because <laughs> Stu is talking all about the girl and Tim is starts talking about the car yeah and it it, it goes you know Stu's like oh man with uh, Donna driving that that Pontiac whatever and and with the with her long blonde hair and her long legs and all that and Tim goes ah oh, yeah that was a nice car and you think <laughs> oh that's what the punchline is and he goes at the canuter valve and the V8 engine three coats of competition orange full race cat you know yeah on and on and on and on and I'm thinking he he's going more in depth objectifying this car than <laughs> Stu is objectifying the woman driving it oh my god. Also, they pull out a picture of the car and are looking at it and talking about this. So when they're just sitting there reminiscing, mm-hmm. that was the first moment that this episode really kind of got into the realness for me. Because yeah. for one thing, we start getting close-ups on their faces. Mm-hmm. New lens. I've never really seen this close of a close-up on this show before. Yeah. And they're both talking kind of really genuinely about how much fun they had with this old car. They're looking at the picture. We get insert shots of it. Mm-hmm. They're talking about the good old days. And and Stu kind of drops his guard and drops with the jokes a bit and is just talking about how great it used to be and don't you wish right. you could go back. Yeah, yeah. And, and Tim's just saying, yeah, yesterday was good, but today's today's better. Yeah. And well, he doesn't actually say that, but that's his internal monologue yeah. for sure. Well, he I think he says something like today is pretty good too or something yeah. like that. Yeah, that was an interesting moment. And in fact, <laughs> you know, I think we're conditioned from all these, um, you know, other sitcoms and forms of media but in that moment or at least by the end of the episode i was kind of anticipating it going in a direction of oh my wife just left me i'm in this bad place yeah uh which it didn't end up going to and i'm glad that it didn't stronger yeah yeah exactly it's just this more existential thing so anyway uh Stu says let's have another beer and tim tries to tell him no you can only stay for one jill's really honest case about getting him out the door Stu won't have any of it. He just talks over Tim and doesn't hear what Tim is trying to say. And Tim says, oh, well, those are the only two beers I had. And and Stu goes, oh, well, I'll go get more. And so yeah. he kind of goes out and he's getting his coat and Jill thinks he's leaving. But then, then he says, oh, no, I'll be back in 15 minutes. And so then Tim and Jill have a chat. The boys are elsewhere. They're getting washed up for dinner. Yep. And Tim Jill's is... Ca- preparing the dinner. Yeah. And... and, and Tim is kind of kind of sheepish with Jill, says something like, yeah, I promised I'd get him to leave. I just didn't mention that he's going to be coming back right away. But Jill, you expect her to be really angry or to, to either storm, right. storm off angrily or to be grilling Tim over this. Yeah, right. And instead she just goes, here, taste this chili. What do you think of it? And, and gives him a taste. And I thought that was a setup. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was like, okay, and, and the joke is you're in the soup now or you're, right. yeah or or she's put something gross in it to get back at Tim and and they just she kind of puts the spoon in his mouth and tastes and he tastes and she's like yeah it's good and she tastes some herself and she just asks him like she says if you if you met Stu today do you think you you two would still be friends and the way she just puts it is in this she's asks him this in this really kind of understated vulnerable tone like mm-hmm. she's kind of it feels so natural in a way that you don't get on this show or a lot of sitcoms. Yeah, even in life. I mean, yeah. I feel like most people bringing up that point would have asked the question in a very kind of judgmental way uh, or in a passive-aggressive way or trying to, like, force some sort of sort of uh, ulterior uh, selfish motive where it's like, yeah. I don't want him in our life. Do you think that he, you would be friends with him today? I mean, yeah. think about this. Yeah. But she does. She She brings it up in this, like... She had a very masterful performance from Patricia Richardson. Yeah. I would say, like, 
nailing that tone is really, really difficult. It, it, it was. The way that she puts it, it's not that she, the beat isn't she's angry at her husband. The beat is she's just genuinely curious. And I think it kind mm-hmm. of what it suggests is that Jill has been through this, too. And she isn't mad at Tim because she understands... I, she, I mentioned at this point that they were all friends in college, so yeah. she has some history with him from before they were married. It's 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 not a case of her not understanding Tim. It's not a case of her uh, being frustrated with Tim being childish. It's her... see She sees kind of what Tim is struggling with and is trying to bring him around on this topic. Yeah. It, it, she's not mad at him, almost. Right. It's like she just sort of sympathizes, in a yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. But... I, I, and so Tim's, you know, Tim is is trying to defend it and say, no, we, we'd we'd be friends otherwise if I met him mm-hmm. now. But it doesn't. He's he's kind of unsure. I don't think he's convinced himself yeah. when he answers that. Yeah, I, and I, it just it we just it felt so incredibly natural and so mm-hmm. far out of left field. I I think I've said six times on this podcast alone how great the performances are. But yeah. I I really coming off of the previous episode where they're throwing bowling balls around and <laughs> shooting silly string at each other, or the right. episode before that where it's, you know, Santa Claus shows up. Right, right. Uh, yeah, so then he takes it outside, and then that's when he has this this talk with Wilson, which is equally... Yeah. Uh, I mean, most Wilson moments are kind of genuine and whatever. That's the, the, the soul of the show, if you will. Uh, but Tim is usually kind of playing it for laughs and yeah. asking him, how do you spell that? Yeah, and, like, and grunting. Not, yeah. The joke in there is always that he's not getting what Wilson's saying. But even at this time, Tim understands empirically what Wilson is saying. Yeah. There's no mixed messages whatsoever. Yeah. And it's just harder for him to like go, oh, like harder to, to face that. It, yeah, it's him... Yeah, this is, it's like the one time so far Wilson isn't talking over Tim's head in any way. Right. They're, they're, and and Tim even does the bulk of the talking in this scene. The camera kind of, it it spends a lot more time on Tim's side of the fence even. Wilson is is making his own horseshoes to play horseshoes with. Classic Wilson move. He's tossing the horseshoes at the thing, the Mm -hmm. horseshoe. Rod, I've never the, the horseshoe rod. I think that's. The t- I've, I've never played a single <laughs> athletic game in my entire life. I, I don't know any I'm, term. <laughs> I shouldn't make fun of you because I don't know the term for myself. But I'm gonna go with uh, stud. The horseshoe stud. Just the no, just stud. Yeah. Okay. So the horseshoe stud then, right? <laughs> that's my, that is my favorite bar in Vegas. Not a lot of women there, interestingly enough. <laughs> So he he's uh, Wilson is throwing these horseshoes and at one point you know we see him from we see Wilson on his side throwing them and then we kind of cut back over to Tim and Tim really talks through most of this on his own. Wilson yeah. is a true therapist at this point where he just lets Tim reason through this himself and yeah. he's talking about how you know they're just how he can't you know, he can't fathom the idea of, what was it we say, crushing a beer can against my forehead makes my butt quiver. <laughs> yeah, which, that was a strange I, comparison. I kind of understand, like, your butt tightening when you think about something unpleasant. It's tightening and quivering are very different, though. Well, sometimes, some things quiver as they tighten. <laughs> Whatever, I don't I, need I'll to say belabor that, the semantics I'll, of this, but... I'll say that for the Truman Caps estrogen experience. <laughs> But as Tim is talking at one point, Wilson throws a horseshoe. We see from Tim's side, the camera on Wilson, he throws the horseshoe. The camera tracks the horseshoe as it, fly, it goes across the backyard, yeah. and then the camera it's lands kind of an impressive shot. on Tim's face yeah. as Tim says this really insightful thing. I, it's 
for because there are so many episodes of this show that where we've talked about it's just kind of plot light and just a bunch of things happening. Mm-hmm. Or like the Christmas episode where halfway through, oh, the issue is that right. Mark doesn't believe in Santa, or like, should Mark believe in Santa or not? Right. This episode has this sort of focus from the start mm-hmm. and this arc that that is not present in a lot of other ones. Yeah. And it all kind of comes up to this scene that is executed so well and shot so well and acted so well. Right. It's just so natural that it kind of goes back to my point of it being like, this is the this is the quintessential example of why sitcom families at a certain point start to feel like your own family. Yeah. That, you know, this these are the episodes that make you cry when the series is over. Yeah. When Sam Malone flips that switch and cheers. Yeah. Like it's it's all of it's not just the laughs, but it's these moments as well. Yeah. Um so Tim and Wilson talk about it. Uh Wilson quotes him the thing about from the Bible. Yeah. Saint whatever. I, I would know I said I was a Bible expert in the last episode, but uh, he, about when I was a child, I had my childish things, but then I grew up and, and put away my toys or whatever. I put away the childish, when I became yeah. a man, I put away my childish things. Yeah. yeah. And then. Stu, and, Stu shows back up. Yeah. Yeah. After that conversation, Tim kind of gets what Wilson's saying and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just like a sitcom, cue Stu. Yeah. <laughs> cue the Stu. Yeah. Stu comes back with a big case of beer. Which, I don't know if you saw... It was labeled beer? Just beer. <laughs> Just... Uh, well, there was... Uh, my parents tell me that there used to be a, like, Kroger-style brand of beer that was just called beer, and oh. it cost less than anything. I'm pretty sure that's not what they're going for yeah. here, but there is a precedent for beer that was just called the thing that it was. I think that it's actually made a resurgence. There is a, a company, I can't remember who it is, but they the can is just a white can with black letters that just say beer on it. Oh, man. I would start drinking beer to drink... <laughs> some of those beers <laughs> uh, I'm, I have to imagine they're worse than like PBR not to it's, offend any PBR fans out it's there it's hard to imagine I don't care if I offend PBR fans that tastes like <laughs> vomit in a can and you can quote me on that <laughs> this uh, episode brought to you by Pabst Blue Ribbon <laughs> yeah so Stu, Stu comes back and Tim's got his uh, his newfound glory <laughs> sorry <laughs> Tim's got his newfound uh, path you know, he hasn't walked it yet, but he kind of sees where things are heading. And Stu, this is where Stu says that they met up uh, with two of the other guys from college, uh, that they're going to the club that night. Also, just that uh, Stu is from out of town. He bumps into these two other dudes from college who Tim hasn't seen in forever at the store in Tim's neighborhood. Super coincidental. Yeah. yeah it's, I mean, the cities in Michigan aren't big, but they're not... You know that is definitely it's a small world After coincidence. All. Yeah, <laughs> I'll stop. I'll stop finishing your sentences with songs. How about that? <laughs> Please don't. I love it. Um, he said sarcastically. <laughs> uh, anyhow, they they start to have this conversation. Stu's trying to get him to go out to the club, and Tim's like, I, "I'm not going to do that, man. It's family night with the kids and my family. Like, I'm I'm past that. I don't. I, you know, I'm not going to do that anymore." Um, and Stu's like, oh, it's fine. We'll just have them back here. And he's like, no. Yeah. Why don't you go and be with them? Yeah. And and Stu, Stu picks up on it mm-hmm. and kind of picks up on what Tim is saying. But he doesn't... I, any other show would have been like, oh, so you're saying that, that we're right. not as good of friends as we used to be and that we've grown up. Well, that's okay. But he just kind of goes, yeah, okay. You know what? I think I might skip dinner if that's all right with you guys. Yeah. 
It's it, it in a, it's a, a call back to a earlier uh, home improvement episode. It's almost like the end of uh, what is it? Episode three or four where Tim and Al are having that conversation mm-hmm. with the subtitles at the oh, bottom. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Only it's played straight yeah. and it's without the subtitles. Yeah. It's very much like I get what's happening. There's a distance between us now. I'm going to go do my thing. You've got your thing here. I respect that. It's a sort of, it's an aspect, for how much of this show is about maleness and masculinity and the way that men interact with other men and jockey for power and status and and things, this covers a sort of masculine interaction that, in a way that you just wouldn't normally see. It's the sort of unspoken, nobody wanting to really show their sensitive side but trying to discuss these issues and leaving stuff unsaid in in a way that you don't normally see. And, or at least that you didn't, that you wouldn't see until, like, I could see a scene like this on How I Met Your Mother. I could see that happening, <laughs> yeah. you know, because that show, which definitely got hacky as it went on, was really ambitious, and I liked a lot of the stuff that they did. I could see that happening there on a show that would try to break a lot of new ground and tread some new territory. But to see it on Home Improvement in 1991 was, 1992, because this is after New Year's. Oh, you're right. Yep. Maybe they filmed it in 91. Oh, there. well. It's it's a it's the cusp worthy. Yes. We'll 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 keep it as uh, ninety two cusp. Yes, ninety two cusp. <laughs> it's my Wi Fi password. <laughs> yeah, and so it just kind of ends. He kind of Stu departs. He gives Jill a kiss and uh, wave, uh, waves adieu to the kids. Yeah, and, and and then at the door, as they're saying their goodbyes, as he's about to leave, he gives Tim his case of beer. <laughs> yeah, which yeah, that was. Tim accepted, which is kind of strange. But. Well, Tim tried to turn it down, yeah, and Stu yeah. said, no, I insist. I kind of like that, that, like, this is, they, they're acknowledging this new phase. Cause it's not no bad never, blood between us. Yeah. yeah. Well, what Stu says as he's leaving is, says, hey, next time I'm in town, maybe I'll call you a little earlier, give you some notice so you know. Yeah. And Tim says, do that. Like, they're acknowledging we're going to see each other again. It right. just won't be the same. Yeah. And then as, like, a token of this understanding and a no hard feelings present, Stu gives him a case of beer, which is a very Stu thing to do. Yeah, that's true. I feel like I know him. <laughs> And Tim's going to keep it in the basement next to the jet fuel. Yes. In a little little mini fridge. And then we're back on the set of uh, of Tool Time for the very ending, mm-hmm. uh, where there's the bits with, with Al making jokes about his penis. But <laughs> t- Tim is talking about hanging this door, and he's saying, now you got to understand that doors change with age, and sometimes they swell up and don't right. fit in quite the places that they used to. And... And, you know, then he makes a point of, like, slamming the door and it shatters the glass on the other side. Yeah. Which, this sort of thing is exactly what I meant when I said integrating the fact that Tim is a TV show host into his home life. I mean, it's it's not... It, it it doesn't work as much for me when he just goes on his show and talks about, man, yeah, ah, right. women doing these things, huh? But it's another thing when it's kind of, the show is a framing device right. for what's going on. A window framing device? Oh, well, you gotta, gotta batten down those hatches. <laughs> uh, but that he can make this greater metaphor about the... I, I don't know. There's some connection between improving your home and improving your life. And yeah, learning for how, sure. Learn, yeah, and Tim even talks about this in other episodes, how you can fix anything in your house, yeah. and it's how to fix your relationships yeah. and what's around you. And you, you're right. You do You feel the catharsis that both have yeah. uh, kind of coalescing in this episode. I, I don't know. I, and that's that's the end of the episode. I just want to say, I feel like this, for me, honestly, I have a newfound respect for the show. I oh, already wow. liked it, but I just... 
I know that not every episode is going to hit this level. I know yeah, that yeah. If, if one episode per season hits this level, <laughs> we'll be lucky. I just, I, I don't know. I got a lot. It, I'm just suddenly more excited to watch another episode of this and come back with these people when I have seen that, okay, they can reach this level. They do have this in them. They can do an episode that is just, I, I don't know. Yeah, I've, I've, I, I wasn't expecting it to be as have as much gravitas as it did with a title like for whom the belch tolls exactly <laughs> when reading that going into this episode i'm like oh man get ready for your grunt count yeah uh which what did we end up with i have to imagine it was pretty small it was seven. Oh, same like last, last episode yeah, yeah. and yeah. So for a series grunt count of 240 yeah but i and i think all those grunts were when he was just lifting weights with the kids at the beginning yeah right and, and that's a lot in a lot of episodes now it's kind of the case there's a bunch of grunts up front and then it's like okay folks that's what you came here for let's get down <laughs> to the episode yeah right um yeah, and it just turned out to be yeah, just a great little learning episode. I'm yeah, very glad that I watched that, and you will be too if you ever see it. <laughs> I guess. Do you have anything else? I I have nothing else except to treasure the people around you. Likewise, I treasure you, German. I treasure you as well. <laughs> On that somber note, was that somber? It was more like heartwarming, but if you think it's somber to have love from your friends, <laughs> On then, that okay. incredibly morbid, depressing note. <laughs> Uh, you can read today's show notes at our website, which is gruntworkpodcast.com. You can also email us with any longer questions if you want to start a discussion at our email address, which is info, I-N-F-O, at gruntworkpodcast.com. Uh, you can also, uh, subscribe, like, do whatever you want to on the Twitters, on the Facebooks, on the Instagrams, uh, on the IGs, as I call them, uh, mm-hmm. our, or the, or the Igrams. The Igrams, the, uh, Insta-Gs, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> No, in- Insta-Gs are the, uh, are... No, actually, I'm not going to make that joke. <laughs> Just keep going. I don't even know where you're going with that. And, um, and no one ever will, because I'll probably cut this part out. Uh, you can get us on, uh, our avatar. Yeah, no, no, get us on our avatar. We are the final airbenders. Our... Our handle is gruntworkpod, P-O-D, uh... Because podcast is too long, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stop saying that at a certain point. I, I think, you're smart I think, enough. I think our regular listeners have it have it down by now. Yeah. The reason for our website name, <laughs> Grunt Work Pod. Um, so yeah, follow us there. And then uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, any of those places, make sure you rate us, review us. Um, more importantly, share us because uh, that really helps people find us and grow our audience. Because we want to keep doing this for you. Sharing is caring for the podcast grunt work. Hashtag. Just hashtag. Hashtag. Just hashtag. Hashtag. <coughs> it's okay, man. It's okay. We're almost done. <laughs> it's too emotional. Uh, yeah. That's all I got. Yeah, that's all I've got, too. Well, um, do you know what time it is? Time to let go. Actually, it's time for the Truman Caps Estrogen Experience. Let's go! Thank you.